just don't give up. No matter what, if you fail, give yourself a grieving time and just get back in the horse, man. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining me today is Borja Beso from rebelgrowth.com. Borja, welcome. It is my pleasure to be here, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, so, Borja, you got the shades on, you know, we're kind of chilling outside. Yes, sir. This particular recording is done on a Friday. What are you up to this weekend? What are you doing? Well, I'm here enjoying my time at a marvelous mastermind. You invited me, man. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting, too. And, and one of the reasons that I'm thrilled that you're here for is you've had some good experience probably in the last year or so where masterminds have played a role in you making better decisions with some of the projects that you're working on. So before we get into some of that, let's just talk a little bit about who you are. What uh, For someone that doesn't know, who are you? What are you up to? Hey, man, I'm just a dude racing motorcycles, doing business, having fun, getting serious with my life. I'm about to get married. And yeah, I try to keep my head down, be grateful, give. And what happens, happens, man. What happens, happens. So for some people thinking, that that accent, is that from New Jersey? Where's your accent from? That's a Spanish accent. Spanish accent from where? It's a modified Spanish accent. I do have an accent, as you can tell. Amigos, my friends. <laughs> but if you actually hear an actual, you know, someone from Spain, they have a more thick accent or more Z, 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 which speak a lot with, with so, But I also grew up in Venezuela for a long time, actually. I would say more Venezuela than Spanish because that's where I actually spent the most time before I moved to the States. But yeah, I have a combination of things there. I also live for, I learned English in Great Britain. I was England, not aware of that. More specific. <laughs> Interesting. I lived for three months or, or something like like that when I was 10 years old. So yeah, I got a mix of accents that you can probably <laughs> notice. But when you, think, that. when you think of home, what do you think? Uh, what's home? What's what home? Yeah. Oh, home's here right now. Home is Florida. South Florida. Yeah, home's South Florida. That's okay. And if at. not South Florida, home is if Venezuela? Not South Florida. I would say home would have to be Venezuela. Chile's home as well. A lot of my family moved to Chile. After the great chaos that's going on down in Venezuela and Spain, ah, that's also home. I have a lot of family back there still, a lot of friends. So I know you're looking for one answer, but honestly, I couldn't give you one. That's okay. I'm curious about what compelled you to end up in Miami. Well, when I was 14 years old, I first came here because my mom got me here. Actually, we had about two or three other uncles and aunts that lived in Western Florida. My grandmother used to live in Western Florida. She lived there for about 25 years or something. So we were pretty familiar with the place. We had people there. We had to flee Venezuela because of the political chaos that was going on. After a couple of years, I went back to Venezuela. And then I came back to the States after living in Venezuela for about six more years. And that's been about four years since I came back to the States. Was it hard to just say, okay, now I'm going to Move on from Venezuela. Was no, that tough at all? Or? No, it's not hard. I mean, I'm still relatively young. I'm 28 right now. So when you're that age, it's not hard to make big shifts generally, I would say. No, I think or that's Or at least it wasn't for me. And I'm just speculating on the fact. You mentioned motorcycle. What draws you to the motorcycle? Oh, yeah, that was my dad. He got me into motorcycles when I was six years old. My original plan, life plan, was to be a professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> I've always loved 
extreme sports. I also used to skateboard a lot, like very seriously. Yeah, so I've been racing motorcycles for about 20 years. Pretty serious about it. It's a great stress relief, should I say? Yeah. It's okay. It's a great way for the other side of the balance of my life. Have you ever had a motorcycle accident where you had some injuries? Oh, yeah, plenty. All right, so tell us about some of your injuries. I've been on the emergency room for her, I don't know, maybe 16 times. Wow. 17 times. Yeah, but as you get older and more experienced, you end up there a lot less than you used to, you know, when, when you're just getting started. So let's see what's one injury. About four years ago, I was jumping this... What hundred foot jump? Probably that's wow. Let's see, thirty five meters, hundred feet, something like that. I don't know. Can do my math right right now, but it was a pretty big jump. I just messed up and I landed on my head. I got a concussion somehow. I don't know how. I broke my left foot actually. I don't know how because I landed on my head. So that's what people tell me because I don't really remember a lot from it. But that, I think that's the hardest crash I've had. What was there ever any intimidation in getting back on the bike and? You know, you continuing on. Doubts. Yeah. You always have doubts. You just got to start them, man. <laughs> How do you do that? It just happens because you get, we have such a passion for that sport. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's something that it just drives you, you know. I have friends who their brothers died in riding motorcycles, racing, actually. They broke their back and they still got back in the bike when they get, got better. So... Another thing is when you get into that sport, you know you're going to have injuries, you know. You can't get into the sport into the sport thinking that it's not going to happen to you. You know, it's like being born and not thinking you're going to die. You know, it can happen. I owned it when I got into it. I knew it could happen. I knew I can break bones. But I'm okay with it because I love the sport, the feeling, the adrenaline, the speed. Yeah, It's hard to describe. I can see that certainly being younger, but now, as you mentioned, you, you are starting to get a little bit older with more responsibilities, uh, getting married, things like that. Does that cause you to be a little more careful or, or are you still all in? It depends. It depends on the situation. I'm definitely more, I don't know how to put it, smarter. So depending on the race, depending on the situation, I'll be willing to you know go faster or push harder or just, you know, stay back a little. Uh, depending on the race, I would say. But training, you know, in general, yes, I'm definitely more careful with, with what I do. So, Laura, we haven't talked about this, but you are very entrepreneurial and you've got some really exciting things that you've worked on. Yes, sir. That you're working on. And I want to see if there's anything that you've learned from motorcycles that in racing that apply to being an entrepreneur. What are some lessons that you've learned? Never giving up. That's the number one thing. I know that's a cliche, but never giving up is one thing that entrepreneurship and motorcycle racing have in common. You always have to shoot for being first, no matter what, you know, no matter if you're really not going to get there, you have to shoot for first. All right. So let's tell an example of a time when you maybe felt like I might give up here. In business. What, business? Yeah. Well, what's a what's a story where something didn't quite play out the way you wanted it to or uh, uh, there was a failure and something where you thought, hey, I might want to quit. And you had to remind yourself, hey, don't quit. Oh, man. I have so many of those stories. I'm a very competitive guy. So I always want to make things, you know, the best they can be, even better than anyone else have ever done it. So 
I'm really hard on myself in that way. One example, I would say I was experimenting with Facebook advertising a couple of months ago. I was setting up a business funnel, a sales funnel, which was pretty elaborate. It had a lot of legs, a lot of moving parts, and it didn't just, it, it didn't go the way I wanted to. You know, I, I later pivoted and I, I shifted gears, but it didn't go the way I wanted it. I wanted to. And I had huge, you know, big dreams for, or not, not dreams, expectations for that strategy. It didn't go well, you know, I wanted it to go. It got me down a little bit. You know, you just got to drink a cup of coffee and get back, uh, back <laughs> on, the car, on, on the horse. <laughs> That's great. Well, t- t- tell us about the first business that you ever owned or that you ever created. Uh, the first business I ever, I ever owned, that would have to be an art distribution business I had when I was 18 years old. I used to, you know, if you want to own a Picasso, you can't just, I mean, 99% of the people won't go and buy a Picasso because that's like $2 million, $2 million dollars or whatever. It's a lot of money. But you still want to have their, his heart on your, home, on your home, you know? You buy a reproduction, a legal reproduction, of course. So I sold those kind of reproductions. That's what I did. I imported them to into Venezuela and I sold them to galleries and whatnot. Now, what gave you the idea to do that? My father actually was the one that, that suggested I should go with that idea because he's into art. My whole family is into art. He just gave me the idea and I took it and I, I owned it. I later stopped that business because I was in, you know, I was halfway through college and exams and all that. It was pretty intense. I didn't have the time to do both things. Hey, sure. It wasn't like it was, I was going to be the next Bill Gates doing that. It, Makes you know, sense. It was just a, a nice. What, was, young, it, was it profitable? It was profitable. It was not like, not like crazy profitable, but it was profitable. How did you find people that were willing to buy these reproductions? I sold to galleries. I didn't sell to people. I mean, I didn't sell to customers. I sold, sold to businesses. Okay. So, so how did you figure out, here's a business I need to contact. And then what was your process like from I, identifying them I grabbed, to then yes. reaching out to them? I, I grabbed uh, the yellow pages. Okay. And I, I started looking through the yellow pages. And I started calling galleries and asking if they sold reproductions. <laughs> Funny story. One of the galleries, a huge gallery that I knew if they sold, you know, if they bought my reproductions, they would buy a lot, you know? So I had my sister call them. And asked them if they sold reproductions because she supposedly wanted to buy reproductions. Please don't judge me if you think this, <laughs> but it's a true story. So they told them they didn't sell reproductions. And one day later, I called them and I offered to sell them reproductions. And they took me on the offer. <laughs> <laughs> because the previous day, someone was asking to someone buy them. Someone was asking to buy reproductions. Interesting. And it worked. That's fascinating. <laughs> now, why did you choose that strategy? And what made you think to do that? I don't know. It just came up to my mind. I was like, oh, man, if someone calls today and asks for a deep reproduction, they'll definitely have to buy from me tomorrow. And I was wow. like, hey, what if I make it happen? <laughs> so in a sense, you did. You created the demand. I created even the if demand. it's a false demand. It's a false demand. I mean, I, I wasn't hurting anyone. Maybe the guy who picked up the phone that, and I wasted 30 seconds of his life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting way to approach it for sure. And, okay, so as you mentioned, that you're not in that business now, but you've moved on to other businesses. What, what are some right, other so that businesses? Was when I was, uh, sorry, that was when I was about 18 to 19 years old. Right. Later, almost finishing college, I got into MLM, multi level marketing, you know, 
You know about that? Um, yeah, blah, I think, I think most people even all of that. Yeah, most stuff. people know about it. I think some people don't have, don't necessarily like it because I hate it. <laughs> there were some bad experiences. And I hate it, and I was good at it. I got into it for about six. When months you say you were so. good at it, what what, did, what does that mean? I How was you able to make it? money from it. How so? Well, you know the way it works. You can either sell the product of the company or get Recruit. referrals for yeah. the company. I was able to get a lot of referrals, but my referrals weren't able to get a lot of referrals. So it just, you know, my tree, so to speak, stopped. Wow. So it was like, hey, man, I mean, I can't find all. So the that's referrals. a recruiting business. If, it's a as recruiting long as business. there's constant recruitment, yeah, yeah potential yeah. for money. Yeah. So I stopped. I didn't like it. The product was good. It was gel or something for energy gel. Product was good. I consumed it for my sports, but I didn't like the model. You know, I think so. What is it that you didn't like about it? Maybe. I don't know how to put it. I just, I don't like the model of, I don't know how to put it, really. Fair enough. Okay, so you decided MLM was not the best fit for you. Not and then, the best fit and then for what? Me. But that's what got me into the online world. I got a job after I graduated college. I worked at a startup, tourism startup. They manage boutique hotels, like small, classy hotels around Panama and Venezuela. I did the marketing for them. That's when I dove deep into marketing. I graduated college from marketing as well, I should say that. Marketing and journalism. So uh, the career is called communications, mass communications. It's basically marketing and journalism, what you learn from there. Right. So that's what I did by that company. I learned a lot of digital marketing that year. And that's when the spark went off that I could do that for myself. So working at that company, I started a blog reporting what I was doing for that company and what I was doing with my own ventures, starting websites, making money with affiliate marketing, promoting other people's products and getting commissions and all that. SEO, all that pretty stuff. I learned a lot from that. And then basically I started making a living from that and I quit the job and I went kind of, I wasn't growing, but I was comfortable for about a year, making money from the blog, from my other ventures. By that point, I was moving to Florida already about four years ago. And one day I decided to get ser- more serious about the you know digital entrepreneurship and what I wanted to do with my business life and actually get meaningful projects, something that meant a lot to me, something that I think could become a legacy or something, you know, something really big, very big. So that's what I've been doing ever since. So at that point, how did you and how do you determine whether or not you're going to put time and resources into an idea. Good question. Let's go with a failure, right? Okay. Which is what taught me how to do it. About two years ago, I tried to create software, but I didn't do any research about it. I just thought it would be a cool idea. I put money into the project and it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to work. You know, turns out it was way too elaborate for people. So I ended up selling to a specific group of people and it makes money, but it's not what I wanted it to do. So from that, I learned that I should put a little more research into an idea before I actually pursue it. My latest project, devoting 90% of my time right now, is well-researched. And I pursued that idea because I talked to a lot of people in the industry that I wanted to get into, examine my competition, identify where I could build a differentiating factor identified a source for funding. I set dates and time and timeframes to complete goals and determine if I was 
going to be successful in the time frame that I want it to be successful, but talking to customers that you can define if it's going to work or not. There's a great book by Dan Norris called The 7-Day Startup, and he lays down a pretty good strategy for launching a business and make sure it's going to work. I really recommend people to check it out. So this project I'm talking about is it's called Creativity. It's an online platform for arts and crafts. I pay instructors, the best instructors in an area. I pursue them. I pay them to create courses for the platform. And then I build an audience and I sell the courses to that audience. That includes painting, cake decorating, quilting, jewelry making, woodworking, photography, and graphic design. So yeah. Is this still in creation mode? Is it's, it live? Oh, yeah. It- yeah. It's live, but it's in, in its first quarter. And how has that first quarter gone? It's, it's going really good. Better than I hoped. We're making, we're profitable. Okay. We're making uh, five figures a month right now. It's not huge, but I wasn't expecting to be profitable in the first quarter. And yeah. So you generate revenue off of people that pay to subscribe to receive these courses. Yes. On these various skills. Yes. Okay. Interesting. And it's very niche in the sense that it's more handcrafted things. Is that right? Or Yeah. Well, you mentioned photography. and Yeah, photography is included. Anything that has a little bit to be with, a little bit to do with creativity. What what is that website? Where can people check that out? You can go to creativity.com. That's creativity as in creativity. Yeah. Then just a U. So creativity.com. Oh, okay. So it's not creativity, but creativity. Creativity. U. How do you spell it? C R E T E. Wait. C R E T I V I U. There you go. That's cool. Wait, what? C R E A T I V I U. There you go. We'll have that definitely in the notes. Okay, so that sounds like a great business. So what is Rebel Growth? Rebel Growth is, that's what originally was, remember the blog that I mentioned that I was reporting what I was doing with my affiliate ventures and what I was doing for this, that startup company as, you know, in the marketing field. That's what Rebel Growth is right now. Growth hacking and online marketing. Basically, it's how to get a startup to get traction early on and just grow it. Love it. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I mean, you got a lot going on. So being in your late 20s, obviously you're into motorcycles. You are all in on these businesses and or, and the business and the blog. And that's just even you know a percentage of what you're doing. You're also, I know this because I've talked to you one-on-one before the recording, you're in school still, right? Yes, you're studying, uh, studying to get your master's, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then, you know, getting married. So man, that's a lot happening. How are you able to maneuver and navigate all that fun stuff going on? I try to be very smart with my time. I wake up every day at uh, 5.30ish. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you I wake up at 7. But I wake up at 5.30. <laughs> For the purposes of this interview, 5.30. For the purposes of the yeah. interview, I wake up at 5.30. Got it. <laughs> uh, I work out and then I, I have my calendar and I try to be very respectful with how I organize my time. Well, then that makes a lot, guys. You're here at Mastermind Weekend. This is a whole weekend. And for you to invest a weekend to get away and, and be a part of something like this, I know I really appreciate that. Uh, what are maybe some expectations you have coming into this weekend? I want to see what people have going on, actually. That's what interests me the most. What's inside of people's head, all their like-minded people. 
what do they think? What do they struggle with? And how can I be of help and hopefully get some help in return? Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the case. And why do you why why do you find that valuable to be able to do that? Well, it's for starters, it's hard to talk to people like regular people and make them try to get them to understand what's in your in your head as an entrepreneur, right? It's hard to walk up to another colleague or a student professor and try to tell them what you're struggling with. They're going to come up with a solution way different than another entrepreneur is going to come up with, right? So being in a house with 10 other people, like-minded people struggling with similar problems, it's, I think that's a recipe for, for great things. Good deal. So what's a place where people can check out what you're up to? Well, you can definitely head on over to rebelgrowth.com if okay. you're going to get some actionable advice on how to grow your startup. Follow along as I build CreativeU and how we have get it to how we had got it to ten thousand in revenue so far, and how we plan to grow it to. I just throw something out there: a million dollar company. I like that. <laughs> okay, good stuff. And uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. What, what's the name of the podcast? What's the name of the podcast? It's the same name, Rebel Growth. Rebel it's Growth blog, Podcast. Blog slash po- podcast. Very good. And right. you love podcasting. I love podcasting. Why do you love podcasting? I love podcasting because I can practice my English and my horrible accent. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love podcasting because it saves me time when I create content and because a lot of people, the people in my audience have requested audio content, right? Also, it's a great way for connecting with people because I interview other entrepreneurs and marketers. That's it's a great way for yeah connecting with people, networking. Now, well said. So, what advice do you have for people out there who are wanting to uh, make some good things happen? Well, it depends on what good, that good thing is. I would say just don't give up, man. No matter what, if you fail, give yourself a grieving time and just get back back up in, in the horse, man. No, well said. Borja, thank you so much. Thank you, Jared. I love podcasting because it saves me time when I create content and because a lot of people, the people in my audience have requested audio content.